0: Welcome one and all to Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Take a stool, pull up, grab your brew of choice, and prepare to listen to some musings. Tonight's episode, we will be focusing on the back and forth that is the introvert personality versus the extrovert personality. This is something that's just kind of been tumbling in my head for the past few years. I see a lot of people talking about it, at least in the context of the Internet. And they use it kind of as a fallback. And I feel that it's kind of a crutch in some cases. But moreover, it's an anchor wrapped around your neck if you believe that you're that shoehorned into a specific idiom. I'm not a fan of that particular thing, and I think most people would straddle a line depending on their mood, their, you know, comfort level and such. And most people tend to teeter between those two things. I think more to the point, I think people overinvest themselves in that moniker without in those monikers without really understanding that you you shackle yourself to such a narrow pathway as a human being that it tends to really take a great deal of personal agency away from you because you're always going to use that as a reason for not doing something or doing something. And I think moreover it, it, it takes away from the overall development as a human being that we all go through through the course of our lives to become the you know, the functional members of society or not in some cases that we are because we're so endeared to these particular personalities that we've stopped ourselves from being who we could potentially be. And I honestly think that that's really a shame because it really does to stop you from really experiencing everything this reality has to offer when you've when you've basically you know stuck yourself to such a narrow narrow uh, tightrope as it were. What are your thoughts on this one, Lando?
1: Well, I think I can agree with much of the idea of the overextension of personality when it comes to the intro extra uh dilemma it's a very v- as human beings we are generally social creatures we do at the very least require some semblance of interaction amongst our fellow humans so that we can function We're not we're not one. We're not one man machines. One. I mean, one army machines. If we were, we would all have completely isolated society, one person societies. And that's just not the case here. We're very, very complicated as we have layers upon layers upon layers of sociological hierarchies upon which we uh, need to sustain ourselves with. And I think that it is through that complicated chain in which we can have we could have the possibility of the introvert to exist even in this even in this society It's come to that point because let's face it with so many of us around it is only inevitable based on the probability of outcomes that someone is going to be left out of the, so, the soci- societal chains. I'm sure that whoever, if you're listening, I'm sure some of you are who fall under this particular this particular chain of events. I'm sure you've in, uh, you've had a childhood or perhaps you as an adult now, live in a more introverted lifestyle than your contemporaries. I know myself, being raised in a five-member household, I, I ironically fell into the suit of being the estranged loner. And that has basically made me a an introverted person for the most part. I can om- I can almost rely myself entirely on my own when it comes to social interaction. In fact, I rarely briefly interact with most people on a daily basis, even at my job. And let me tell you this, I thank God that I don't have to be nearly as social at work as some poor sha- poor saps who work in retail. Ugh. But I think that clearly there are advantages and disadvantages that comes with that. My unfortunate being so introverted is the, the weakness in my... Social and uh, communication skills, whether it be that I can properly uh, express and appropriately express what I what I would uh, what I want to say, and also how I interpret what others can express, because I've had that that run of the mill mis. <laughs> As of recently, uh, I had a uh, I have a best friend who I haven't seen in in years. I haven't seen him since high school, and he, we recently started hanging out again. And uh, I I due to my idiocy, I misinterpreted some of the things that he that he said, and I thought the worst of him as a result. I mean, I'm glad that he was very understanding and that I didn't ruin the friendship due to my stupidity. But that was one of the downsides that an introvert can have, is just not being able to read the room properly or read the signs properly, because you have little experience in working with that matter. So can I ask a brief question? Is an int- are, are there, ad- well, I did say there are advantages, but is there, no, is there a need for a balance between the two? Because I know, I know we all have a limit on, how much we can deal with others but staying alone for too long and can that can drive you insane
0: well i think in everything and this is just a particulars of my personal philosophy everything requires balance in every person especially you know philosophical balance as much as you know dietary and social balance and such things mental balance and the like, um, when you look at the effects of uh, social isolation on um, inmates, those in solitary confinement, there is a high case of uh, psychosis that crops up from people who spend too long being alone with themselves situations where hallucinations can occur because your brain requires a certain amount of interaction with other you know life forms of your of your intellectual you know balance uh, sorry intellectual uh, level as it were. And if that's not achieved, your brain does a great deal to try and mitigate the fact that there's no one else in the room and sometimes constructs other people in the room stories of people who have seen ghostly images in their room for, after being isolated for too long, uh, situations where they'll be watching television and the person on the television will look directly at them and start talking to them. These are the kind of things that can occur on the extreme levels of social isolation. Now, if you look at the way an intro, most introverts that I've interacted with function a lot of what they have has either a level of filtration attached to their social interaction or it's done spoon fed in a way where they can kind of control and dictate how much intake they have of humans as it were
1: okay this
0: this more has to do with uh technology in most cases the internet is a great filtration system for dealing with other people because you can kind of interact with people at your own leisure depending on your you know your your attitude at that moment whether you want to really go all in or not and it's really just a matter of they prefer to have a situation where they have a greater deal of uh capabilities in how things are defined as far as social interactions concerned, and I've had I've had observations of this with friends that I've had who are more introverted in nature, at least as far as the, their own personal their own personal uh, comfort levels are concerned. They're still talkative, but they definitely choose when the, when and where that they insert themselves into a conversation they tend to keep to themselves even in a more public room area you can tell by the way that they you know kind of set things up around themselves that they kind of create a, <clears throat> a perimeter of things either people that they're comfortable with or items as a way to kind of mitigate interacting with other people so that there's at least a step between them and someone else before there before any kind of contact happens but this doesn't mean that they are actively avoiding it, hum, human interaction they just it's a comfort thing at least that's what i've noticed
1: fair enough so us uh, so the question i have is do introverts need to be introduced to more social situations or should they do do so at their own pace
0: well, if you're looking at like extreme introverts, uh, like the, the concept of the hikikomori in Japan, the homebody people who culturally have been t- so isolated from other human beings physically that they do not even interact with society in general, except for in very rare extreme circumstances, I think at that point, if you're looking at it as a way of, as a concept of rehabilitation, uh, a lot of uh, treatments that I've seen or have heard about on, uh, in the news, on NPR and such, there tends to be a spoon fed scenario because in most cases, system shocking somebody into dealing with other people tends to be very difficult hazardous to the, uh, the mental and uh, social well-being of any introverted person of that caliber. To me, it seems, you know, the trickle method works very well. And in most cases, psychologists uh, tend to suggest to people to um, kind of add minutes to their interaction when they go to a social gathering of any kind beyond their comfort zone and then it allows them to kind of work their way into being in situations that would be outside of, their, of that uh, bubble for longer and longer. You're basically creating a tolerance because people tend to have histories of uh, social uh, distress that have colored the way that they think and deal with other people. At least that's what I've noticed as far as I can tell. And I think that's prevented them from really going in. I don't think anybody needs to be you know, a party animal and you know, constantly be you know, working the room. But getting back to what you said, there's a certain balance that needs to be achieved so that you can actually inter- interact and function in, in p- the public world that we do still have access to. I know with COVID, it's a bit more convenient for an introverted person or one that claims to be to really just kind of sit back and let everything play out because there's no real, um, there's no real pressure for them to interact with society in any meaningful way. And especially because technology has even accommodated them further to never have to really interact with people beyond, you know, making a, making a, uh, an email or writing off some kind or ordering something from like Grubhub or DoorDash. So they don't even have to really interact with people in any meaningful way physically, if they had never want to, which I think is a kind of detrimental to society as a whole, because you're creating entire generations of people who don't want to socially interact with each other and making public and making public interactions much more archaic in Practice, then doesn't then it really needs to be because you still need to be social in some metric beyond a uh, video chat or you know or, or just text on a screen.
1: Well, yeah, that that is the case because the way I'm seeing it, that at the very least, for the example would be with the internet, we are it, we are slowly losing our emotional attachment to uh, actual people we're still raging we still are very passionate when it comes to our ideologies that we can spread throughout the internet but at least when it comes to our our fellow man especially on a more uh personal basis we see this isolation has made us far more distant in more ways than one and this seems to be amplified with introverts as a whole. Well, I mean, when, when the
0: whole COVID lockdown started, you, all you have to do is look at uh, popular culture and a lot of the memes that have come up where basically it's like every every introvert, when, when the COVID lockdown started, literally it's just a picture of the same person over you know on top of the, uh, the same picture. Basically yeah. saying nothing's changed for them, but it's changed a lot for people who actually like to interact with other human beings.
1: Which yeah, the downside to it is for for such extroverts is that now their lives have changed because they can no longer they can no longer live their normal lives the way they used to although if we will if we've seen from some cases from those who are hyperly passionate about their about about their beliefs that you know so this still might be that this isolation is still for the better despite them wanting in you know, deep, deep inside, that they want to that they want this lockdown to end, but because but because the virus is having looms so much fear over them that they have to restrict everybody at all costs, even at their own sanity. That's the drawback.
0: And I think when you start to look at it, I I think between introvert and extrovert, it's definitely a a, a, it's a sliding scale. I don't believe anybody is wholesale, antisocial or wholesale, you know, all in, you know, uh, charismatic. There's a there's a there's like I said before, the there is a balance. It's all a matter of where you are on that, where you are on that scale. And I think with the lockdown, there's definitely been a level of influence over the isolation, even to people who aren't particularly social, you know, occasionally we'll go out and hang out with people or go to public, you you know, public events, that kind of thing. And even they're starting to feel completely and utterly, you know, destroyed by this whole experience. It's something that... Again, even to people who might be on the more antisocial level, I imagine eventually it has to affect them. I just don't think it would ever be in any measurable way because if they never have to interact with other human beings, they're fine with it. But if you look at a lot of those people, it tends to, like I said, it tends to stem from some sort of other uh, distress or trauma that had occurred that they are okay with the concept of just being alone. So there, that, there are psychological issues attached to that level of extremity, as much as it would be in the other direction. And I think that that goes without saying, because I, if you look at a lot of things that are, you know, have to be measured out, that there, there usually is some underlying psychological event that had occurred for those people. And as far as this is concerned, I would call COVID a psychological event for a lot of people. And I'm not even talking about the individuals who couldn't wait more than you know 14 days to jump back on their you know their houseboats or you know go on their bass fishing boats or get to their lake houses and that kind of stuff i'm talking about people who occasionally have a beer with friends or people who go out to uh, bookstores and you know talk with other people people who go to coffee shops and socialize like it covers the spread of people who do things And there's just a certain amount of control, especially as a governmental body, that you can really exercise over those people before they just stop caring and just are willing to just accept the consequences of whatever their actions may be, no matter how widespread that may be to other people. And I mean, as somebody who's never really been keen on the the perpetual kicking of the can as far as a COVID lockdown has been concerned, I don't blame them for that particular uh, that particular feeling. I personally think that this has been a an unmitigated failure, especially in the US, with regards to the varied ways that we've been handling the the, the pandemic as it were. I think yeah. that I think in a lot of cases, most people would agree that it either needed to be all or nothing. And I think the the patchwork way that we've dealt with it across each of the states has created a dissonance that has not really helped us in that helped us along in that particular favor.
1: Well, I think that's something that people have been making a, uh, an argument now for the past year and a half. That, um it is why that people thought that this was sh- this should have been a. Uh, a federal a federally handled issue rather than it being left to the states to decide on on their own. Because when you have 50 people doing doing 50 different things, you're not going the, the goal is is rarely ever achieved in unison. And I think that's what ended up happening. I think that's what ended up making it worse because they were allowed to essentially do what the, they were about. They were allowed to do what they wanted. They could not fully protect those people as a result. This is the one time that I would have to argue that, yeah, I think at this particular point in hindsight, we all probably should have banded together to better contain and, uh, and properly address the, the viral outbreak.
0: Well, in that in that cloud nine scenario, you would have to look at each and every one of our states, think that they could in some way join hands and be able to function as a cohesive unit. I know that sounds cynical, but if you look at the way that the, if you go back a year and a half, and look at the political and social climate of things. There were very few things that we as a people could agree on, and there wasn't an overarching, you know, terrorist attack to have us all join hands and sing "Kumbaya." This was more a, a situation that was well beyond our control, and there. And again, I, I said it before: conflict conflict is the is the driving force for us to better ourselves but it's also the driving force for us to actually work together and the, a virus isn't a level isn't the type of conflict that pushes us forward it's something that we look at and have to separate ourselves from to a point or at least detach ourselves from mentally and socially so you're not gonna have that level of cohesiveness that you're hoping for. And I and just so you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Oh, and course. if you look at and if you look at a lot of the the, the different governing bodies across the states, there was uniformity to a, a spe- to specific subsectors of of states and their government governors where there was a bit of unity across the board, but it wasn't universal. Where you would have states that just flat out refuse to do any lockdowns because of one reason or another. Because again, you still have to. Nothing is for free, and if you can't, and you can't assume that a that, that the federal government's going to support you if you completely cardiac completely defibrillate your 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 economic capabilities. And I, and I and I've stated many times the people who think that the government can just keep throwing money at you do not understand the concept of economics enough to be able to make that make that statement effectively enough for me to agree with them. And much moreover, I don't think that, <clears throat> there, that you could get enough people, you could get a large enough group of people to agree to do these things because not everybody, for one reason or another, has the same information across the different regions in, in our country. And that has created that level of dissidence where you do not have the same kind of preparation and execution that you have in each state or each group of states, as it were.
1: I mean, fair enough. But I would also argue, and while I do agree with you, we're going to go ahead and uh, put in the uh, the devil's advocate route here. It, it the It is the fact that the states had the freedom to decide for their own is one of the is is one of the positives that the viral outbreak has essentially reinforced because as the lockdowns came to be we started seeing more and more on how certain politicians in go- no in in heads of state where they were clearly more tyrannical in their approaches. At least it exposed their desire for their own personal tyrannical uh, province, especially when you look at Minnesota's governor who recently came back from a trip to Florida and then banned everyone in her state from going to Florida that was Michigan, not Minnesota. Oh, my apologies. I mistook, I mistook the state. My apologies. I could have sworn it was Minnesota. Anyway, I mean, it's, clearly, we, we, clearly we have issues with certain, uh, s- certain people in our government that is more than willing to take advantage of, the, of a pandemic for their own good. That you're gonna have that happen regardless. And sure, but this accelerated it, it in my opinion.
0: And I think that when you look at a lot of what was being brought forth as far as legislation was concerned, or as far as the emergency powers garnered to the governments or the governors, there were over there were overstretches and overreaching going on. And in most cases, those things were brought to the brought to the attention of one governmental body or another. To obviously varying de- varying degrees of result, but they they did not go unnoticed or unnoted, especially in the news. Whether it be mainstream news or more independent groups on YouTube, these people these people and governments were were put in the spotlight to one degree or another. Now, I don't believe the reactions of the people to the, 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 the different situations were any more better than the situations that they were going after, but you're also asking a group of people to be rational who've been sitting in their houses twiddling their thumbs for multiple months. You're not going to get anywhere near rational when it comes to that particular situation. True. I can agree with you on that. And I think that has to do with you know, going back to what we what we've been talking about, that just has to do with the effect of isolation on people. When you're left to do nothing, for to do nothing, as far as what you believe you're capable of, you tend to get much more hostile to outside sources of stress that you feel you should have more control over. Whereas, in you, myself, or you. If when the whole lockdown thing happened, we looked at it as a situation where, you know, we might have an opportunity to catch up on reading or, you know, play more video games or, you know, self betterment of some kind or another, depending on what that may entail. And that's not everyone. Not everybody looks inward to be able to make those kind of decisions. And a lot of people languished during the course of the situation. And a lot of people languished financially because of the situation, because of the differing ways that that the governors had taken to executing a lot of, you know, social plans and financial plans for people who could not make ends meet because of the COVID lockdown. So there's a lot of different things that affected people in one way or another that made them do whatever they felt was necessary they needed to do. Because again, when you strip away all of the social niceties, survival is the one thing that is always going to be the universal thing. You will always want to to survive. Yeah, I can't argue with that. So, it's it, it is what it is, but I think that when you look at separate from this whole experience and just going to the general overview of introversion versus extroversion i think that i think you wouldn't i think you need to find your find your personal center when it comes to that kind of thing but i do think that there is a comfort zone breakout point that most people should uh, endeavor to do and as people are getting vaccinated and things and stuff starting to open back up for however long that may occur I think you'll see things start to ramp back up in social in social gatherings. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few introverts kind of breaking out of their own shell just to kind of interact with other people. But who knows? I'm not gonna assume.
1: No, I agree. And I think the and I think the reason is that or at least my personal opinion, it's that despite the fact that, you know, introverts generally enjoy the 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 solitude that they, well, for the most part, now, you know, choose to in, uh, to, to participate. They kind of need the racket of the extrovert of society on the outside. Because as crazy as it is, I don't think, personally, I don't think I could be an introvert without the craziness of, uh, of life around me. Well, I, I certainly don't want it inside where I am, but I, I would love to at least see the passion of life you know, bear its fruit from a distance. And I think that's a personal choice, but
0: I think it also is a philosophical underpinning of how people absorb the reality around them. Because if you look at the way an extrovert operates within, within the world that we live in, they tend to learn and absorb information from their surroundings from people much more than an introvert would where an introvert tends to be more contemplative and they tend to learn more from books and from you know text-based resources in a way where they don't feel the need to interact with other people unless they're watching like a, a video about something or listening to you know a, a discussion of some sort but that's a level where they don't have to still interact with people, even if people may have created those particular resources that they are currently using. It's, it's more of a paradigm or a paradigm perspective than it is as much as it is a social perspective, which it's kind of interesting to look at that because many people tend to like the book Smarts versus Street Smarts concept those things are feel to feel tentatively tied to the introvert and extrovert experience at least by my observations obviously someone could you know dispute that in one way or another i don't know
1: no i think if you think about it i mean if we i i think the more general aspect of books versus street smart should be people there are people that draw knowledge better from experience and then there are those who draw knowledge better from theory agreed and i
0: think that spreads out like i said it spreads out into the social aspect as well uh, There they're parallels to those to those particular learning uh styles as well as you know social interaction styles and i think that definitely tethers itself to more more ingrained behavioral experiences for each individual person.
1: I agree. I, I agree
0: 100%. It doesn't make it any easier. I think when you go into pop culture is when you start to have that headache. And all it takes is a bit of, you know, wandering around on social media to get an understanding of how people use those particular, you know, badges or you know labels as it were as a way to circumvent their need to talk to people or to you know interact with family members and people that they perceive as friends because it's they wear it like some kind of you know personal shield to scrutiny from other people and it's a shame. Because they've the, the people tend to uh, lose out when they lean heavily on excuses like that. Because that's what it feels like to an extent when they do use that kind of thing. I don't feel, I wouldn't feel proud to be an introvert or an extrovert in any way as a label. Not as as much as Phil dislikes the the, the concept of generational theory and the labels that come with that. It's something that it it, it feels like a like a veneer or a shell that you put on yourself to prevent you from succeeding or failing in whatever capacity and I, and it's just the shame that, that people tend to rely so heavily on that i it's get up. it you're not going to feel every day to want to do um do, you know interact with other people and i understand that but I mean, I I get the concept of human experience and human interactions kind of a cup, and not everybody has a giant, you know, uh, Kool-Aid pitcher that needs to be filled every day. Some people just have a thimble of human interaction that they need to fill up as a quota. But it's just it it just feels like it's so much more of a, a a shoddy excuse at the end of the day.
1: That's fair, but that's a good that's a good question is is isolationism on I shouldn't say is a is being an, intro, an extrovert uh, more of a first world thing because i get the feeling that it that based on economic and and the geographical status you it, it becomes far more difficult to become to 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 become an extrovert when you are when you're more focused on as you said survival rather than um rather than just simply living
0: i would have to say yes to an extent because if you look at people in second and third world countries social interaction is imperative for various reasons for survival reasons, but moreover creating that sense of uh, kinship helps you establish a, uh, a a sense of community and it strengthens bonds. And that's the value in that you do have people who, well, you have those situations. Like if you look in the past and I've talked with my father about this, there wasn't a person in his neighborhood that he did not know or his family didn't know in one capacity or another. And it created a domino effect of, uh, of social structure that there wasn't a person who wasn't aware of, you know, one group or another coming in or out. And there was always warm welcomes around for anybody who might be new coming in. So the integration level was much simpler. It's something that, that, that's valued in that regard. And we've lost as a first world country. We don't have that sense of camaraderie anymore. And what's occurred is a significant breakdown of concern. And I've said it before. And I believe I've said it on uh, the podcast with uh, Mr. Bailey that we had. Um, we've created a sense of local blindness for a, gr- for a greater global awareness And what's happened is we end up getting sideswiped by things that are occurring locally that we wouldn't either agree with or would want further elaboration on because we're so enamored with the things that are going on outside of our immediate area that we've not, we've lost the balance. And because we can be that globally aware, we don't, even want to invest in our own community because our community feels like a fleeting existence that we don't feel any need to you know in, in integrate ourselves into and maybe that's just the side effect of the of different uh income levels preventing people from really wanting to lay stakes as it were
1: no it's a lot like the theory of the ruler of the king I mean, do you want an empire in which you can you'll have you'll have control of an absolute vast territory, but will have little to do with it, little to do with managing it because it's so vast, and thus you'll have little personal uh, stakes in it, or would you rather just rule a local a local town, local village, where while things are while you only control that one tiny aspect of the world, you have a much more intimate and closer relationship with the peoples there because they'll have a more direct effect towards you.
0: I guess that has more to do with management. And that's also something that if you look at the way that our government is structured on a federal and state level, and even a local level, there's definitely a step down for the amount of, uh, I guess <laughs> control, for lack of a better word, that these different bodies have, and the trickle to the trickle of that ends up going down to the local level, and very seldom does that end up going back up unless it's something that's more monumental or groundbreaking. But I guess, I guess, from my perspective, I personally would prefer something much more local, and that's something I've have talked with other people about, uh, who are who have more conservative viewpoints than me. They definitely are much more about investing themselves in their local community, and having much more understanding of local politics than they ever would about uh, federal politics, because there's a certain belief that the people in federal in, in the federal positions. You have represent, representation and senatorial coverage that is there to be your, your mouthpiece to the federal government. So there is no real reason to really jump headfirst into dealing with it unless that is your goal on the front side to work within that, per, that paradigm, you know, being, being poli sci, you know, one of those particular situations, or maybe a lawyer working to be a politician, something to that effect. So being more locally invested definitely has a higher advantage for you to a point. And I think that many people have just kind of walked away from not only regional and local politics, but they've become so enthralled with federal politics that they've taken themselves off of even caring about the deterioration that may be occurring around them. And that's something that i think is a very big problem because a lot of things seem to happen in regional politics and there's this level of outrage because there's this belief that this happened out of nowhere no one was paying attention our the, the way our bureaucracy works you likely had multiple opportunities to Go into committee meetings and state your case at any, meaningful, at any meaning, meaningful point. You just never did because you might be working or it might not have been in a time that you were available to do so. That's on you. At one point or another, you need to take agency with the situation around you and actively participate in the community that you're a part of. No, I get it. Some people are nomads and they don't want to go out and do that kind of stuff because they don't believe they're going to be staying somewhere for very long. And for those people, I get it. But that, at that point, you should still be vehemently aware of the regional politics that are going on, especially if you do move around a lot, because something may occur that you may not have been aware of in any meaningful capacity. You might end up getting ambushed by something that you weren't prepared for because you weren't paying attention. So there's still a necessity to be either locally or regionally aware of political environment and social environment to the things that you're doing, even if you are not you know, firmly planted in one part of terra firma or another or another. So they I mean, that's that.
1: All keeps leading back to balance. No matter what, no matter which topic that gets discussed, All, all is balance is crucial and necessary on all fronts. Not every issue, not every issue is, uh, solved by one extremity or another.
0: The problem with that to me is, is that balance is very much something that's different per person. Bringing something (laughs) to the absolute center is very difficult for other people because your, your attitude your personality, your 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 mental structure are always going to change what that balance may be, and that's okay. why you have people who would seem to who would seem to be zealots versus the, you know being much more of a moderate viewpoint on any particular uh, point of view.
1: That's correct, and that's because no matter how you might want to go about it, uh, the people are living beings; thus, they're going to have their Thus, their opinions are always going to be subjective, and most importantly, they are always going to be changing. Whether in, whether they change in the direction entirely or they're changing with the intensity of what they believe, regardless, they're human beings, and thus, that just as how they're living, their opinions will reflect upon that. There is no objective center there is only the subjective center based on a subjective point of view based on the individual themselves
0: agreed now i mean if you look at if you look at the averages and you um you you you, you observe those particular trends you can come to an average and the average, I guess, would be where the middle would be on a lot of things, or the—I'm
1: sorry—the the median would be the point. Sorry, um, no, it's so- basically the same. That's that. That's they're interchangeable. But the but I think that at, I think at that point would be once you reach to that average, do you follow the 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 should the consensus of the average? Or do you follow one or one of the one of the two extremes? Because I think at least when it comes to the political front, we are starting to see the uh, actions being taken, not necessarily from the majority or the average, but rather the rather the, the minority, the, the the extremes of the uh, of the low percentages, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Well, that is more because of the, at least what I've seen, with me personally, the availability of media, social media, to give people mouthpieces who are much more radical in their viewpoints, and because they're the people who are speaking the loudest they tend to get the most uh, the, the most reaction from either government bodies or um, companies, people, any, any group of influence where th- those particular people would be able to make some kind of market change in favor of their particular point of view, where you would have a more moderate human being making looking at things and just going we just need the we can these are the things that we'd like to change but we're not going to make a stink about it you have those people who are willing to make the stink about it and doing so in very public ways that in most cases makes people around them look at them like they're lunatics at least by the metric that most people would observe such things and maybe that's the maybe that's because most of those people are placid observers or maybe it's just because they have a a different moral compass and they don't view being belligerent in that regard as a way to get results much more than being polite and being you know well thought being more thoughtful and more thorough and if you when you create a society like like the one that we live in where screaming the loudest gets you what you need all you've created is a is a society of tax-paying toddlers who have no real interest in any kind of real uh, exposition they just want to scream until they get what they want even if that changes two minutes later for whatever reason and that i think needs to be nipped in the bud at some point i think that has more to do with personal with, with personal learning experiences and how people are raised than anything else because if you were raised correctly and you were given a moral compass that tells you to be much more polite than you were acting especially in public in, in the in the digital public square that we have you wouldn't be doing half the things you'd be doing in real life because you have the potential to get popped in the mouth for being that way Hard would argue with that people, some people do some people seem to think that there's this there's this unspoken rule that people are just going to just need to let these kind of things occur online when people act the way that they do. And they're not supposed to have any retribution because there is no physical retribution. Isn't that
1: the most most ironic though, given the fact that we live in a society that likes to make an argument that words have consequences but they ironically shout the loudest and make the most controversial if not flat out most offensive comments anyway oh it's absolutely
0: an irony one of the things that i've talked with other people about and they said they stated themselves is they would there are th- if they go online and they're talking with people there is nothing that they would say online that they wouldn't say to that person in real life and when you set that as your as your baseline it's very difficult for you to really create a great deal of friction with other people because you're never going to go any further than a specific level unless that person goes to a dangerous extreme because you've set yourself to the very center point where most polite society is in real life but that in but the real life versus the digital is very much a night and day scenario because of the functionality of trolling of the concept of anonymity as it is, it's one of the reasons why anonymity is such a double-edged sword online and much more, a lot of companies and ISPs have just gotten tired of that being the, the excuse for people to just be absolutely abhorrent to other people online. Having, having consequences for your actions, even in the digital landscape is something that is, 50-50 a 50/50 prospect I believe that there is a certain amount of catharsis in having an argument with somebody online in, in, an, in an anonymous forum if both people are anonymous and they're just slinging words at each other at the end of the day it doesn't matter because you don't you both don't exist in that context and you both go to your separate ways and you never have to think of each other ever again because all you are is a number on a screen. But when you have much more much more public areas of, the, of social media, like Twitter and Facebook and the like, where your name is attached in one way or another, even if it's just a screen name and your ISPs is attached, your, your, uh, your, uh, your digital credentials are attached to it, you very much have created a situation for yourself where someone has the potential to find you And when you've ramped things up to such a degree that there's a level of violence attached to it, you might not be happy with the things that you might end up getting from the other person that you've been going back and forth with for 40 minutes. They may not be, they may just be meeting you at the door with a knuckle sandwich, or they might just open fire on you depending on what their proclivities are because some people just aren't socially adjusted to real life. They believe that that's the only way that they can solve the situation is by physically injuring or destroying the person that they're talking to because it never translates
1: 50-50 from real life and from digital. That actually is a fair point. Especially when we've seen some of the uh we, we've seen we've seen some crazy situations happen down if you've taken notice on like uh YouTube and whatnot where certain creators uh well they ramped up with their responses I mean, given enough that, you know, that they were, whether you want to argue that they were adequately provoked and threatened is, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide. But, I mean, you can't argue with the extremity of the of the response in the end. Even, well, if you if believe you, they even open fire, but that's a whole other. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just I just believe I believe they opened fire in that particular case as well. Luckily nobody was hurt. But still.
0: <laughs> We're talking about a swatting incident, right? No, sir. Maybe I'm not a maybe I'm not aware of this. Fill me in.
1: Uh so this YouTuber, uh he I I don't want to give out the name because I don't wanna I don't want to, you know, cause any trouble. But he was basically being taunted by another YouTuber for for a matter of weeks. And he basically threatened the taunter that if he was to go anywhere near him, uh he'd shoot him. And this YouTuber, who's known for trolling other YouTubers hard, took the bluff, but it wasn't really a bluff; it was an actual threat.
0: Um, yeah. if I, it's the story I think you were talking about, there was a um, the person ended up on the other person's property. The person went and got their their firearm, and they discharged a shot in the air and told the person that there was a, you know, there was their warning shot prior to things being escalated.
1: But
0: I don't know what the outcome of that was because I don't think it it was ever publicly stated. If there was any kind of uh, police action that was taken on that one, I'm not, I don't want to speculate personally.
1: No, no, I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to say that it was justified or anything. I'm saying that it still led to such a ridiculous con to to a ridiculous situation. And I'm not saying that the taunter had was uh was free of any fault either. He was not at all blameless in it. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it t- it takes two to create a situation like that. And that's Absolutely. not even
0: to say that's not even to talk about the the litany of. Uh, incidences that have occurred now any of the more mundane human beings that have not heard about this there's a thing there's a uh, a tactic referred to as swatting it's not an old thing i think it's been been around since like 2016
1: or 2015 oh, no, it goes, way, the, it goes way further goes way back for, further we're talking about 09 at least fair enough
0: um but in, in the uh, in the internet gaming world, because uh, uh, that happens often, it usually happens around a lot of uh, video games situations. But it's not the only only time that it can occur. Any kind of feud that can occur online can possibly cause swatting, depending on the situation. Basically, swatting is taking and uh, calling in an anonymous uh, calling in an anonymous concern to a local a, a person's police force and stating something is occurring that would require them to call in a SWAT team on that person. And that is also, it has resulted in death a couple of times if I recall. Yes. Probably more if, if I had to really dig deep into it, but I only know two off the top of my head. And that's one of the side effects that can occur when, when digital words become physical manifestations of violence it's uh, it's not fun. And I've seen I've actually been witness to YouTube streams where a person was swatted. And it's unfortunate because if you have a police force that, is, it, that might have might be trigger happy, they may not be they, they may come into a situation that might be completely placid. And they may pepper somebody with uh, with with lead without realizing what is occurring. So there, there's a certain amount of uh, <laughs> risk with, with a lot of that stuff, and it's it's one of the problems with the digital bleeding into the real world. At least for, at least such as I've seen. Yeah, I'm I know we've kind of gotten off on a tangent, but we're kind of talking about social interaction. So no. at this
1: point at least we're still on point. <laughs> it's true. I mean there's still technically a connection to it. It's more it's that as we as we become more and more socially distant of one another, we become more, more less and less uh, emotionally attached or emotionally viable for uh, uh, to other to other people. The internet has given us that op- that ability or at least enhanced our ability to become less and less uh, less emphatic to no, empathetic to uh, no, to our fellow man, and thus it's why things like swanning can happen even in the no in this in this day of age now, and it's truly unfortunate. Swanning is incredibly dangerous, incredibly horrifying, and it could it it wastes. It's a waste of human life, especially when it, 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 it's, it scars people for years on end because one particular incident, they killed the target in front of their two-year-old son. It's just an example of the degradation of, of humanity as a whole because, unfortunately, when it comes to humanity we are a hodgepodge of extremities
0: yep and that's really where the, where temperance needs to be in place and that's something that's advantage of of a more introverted a more introverted lifestyle is is you're very much a tempered individual when it comes to your actions so i can't really argue with with that as a positive but again in all things balance that is my ultimate that's my ultimate statement on this particular situation, and honestly, any particular situation we've talked about.
1: Yeah, I agree. With that being said, I think we can conclude this little session of ours. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed our mixture of existentialism and politics, and a shot of rum to go with. Got to
0: have a good chaser.
1: Of course. Drink responsibly as you listen to our podcast, and we hope you tune in next time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a... Account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's haunted tiki bar. If you would like to uh check that out for updates on when we have our sessions.
0: We also have our voicemail link in the show notes. We will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward, as long as there are voicemails to be, re- to be listened to. Um, any further inquiries on that, uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter, or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well. Thank you so much to all of you. Safe travels to you all cast off friends.